It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchain. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today. I have with me in the studio my very good friend, one whom you've heard over the past few weeks as we have talked about eschatology, as we have examined even the state of the church today. With me here, my good friend, Dr. Steve Ford. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. It's always great to be here, and especially after an amazing Resurrection Sunday. Indeed. Absolutely just incredible. And I think it's just so appropriate that we return to the discussion of the persecuted church today, mm-hmm. You know, not long after Jesus was resurrected. The Great Commission, not long after the Great Commission, persecution. And so for the last 2,000 years, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ have been suffering persecution for the Lord that we love so much. That's right. That's right. When when we had been discussing the persecuted church on our last episode, we had talked about North Korea being number one Mm. among persecuted churches. There was something that I had read, according to Open Doors USA, that said one in eight Christians in the world are now targeted discriminated against and attacked for following Jesus. Just an absolutely amazing number. Wow. wow. And according to Christians in Crisis International, 60% of those affected are children. Wow. So I think it's just such an appropriate topic for us to be covering today with so much going on in the world. And I know you've got some great things to talk about today, even in regards to how COVID has impacted that. Mm-hmm. As we said, we had talked about North Korea being number one. Uh, the remaining four of the top five were predominantly Muslim governments and populations, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, and Pakistan. Mm. One of the other questions I had was, what form does persecution take in these countries? What's what's happening in these countries? Yeah, we've talked a little bit about even offline of, of the various ways that uh, we see this type of persecution. And, and and let me just preface again that here we are on the heels of Resurrection Sunday. We talked about this even offline. We we understand that with so often we, we're looking for the sensational, we're looking for this emotional catch when it when it comes to following the lord like i i've got all these problems jesus is going to solve it all and i need this this euphoria of an emotional high and and when we we come out of resurrection sunday and 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 perhaps it was the best service that someone's ever been to and and it was the biggest loudest music and smoke machines and all of this energy that we are drawn to across these many churches but yet at the end of the day we have to make a decision to follow jesus christ there has to be a i'm going to take up my cross and follow him if it costs me everything there is great commendation for those willing to lay down their lives for the eternal kingdom and ultimately what we look toward is the millennial kingdom that is forthcoming and as we've talked about through our study of eschatology it's coming i believe very soon yeah. I, I i can't help but feel the the pulse out there with everybody else that as right. we look to the signs of the times you would have to have your head in the sand if you're not seeing what we're seeing that that the lord he's coming back soon and we as the bride have got to get ready for the bridegroom, the same words that apply to those seven churches at the very beginning of the book of Revelation, go back to Revelation chapter 2 and 3, those words apply to us today. There was commendation giving to, to Smyrna and to Philadelphia, but of these seven churches, many of them had lost their moorings. Right. You got some complacency going on, the lukewarm church, the dead church that thought it was thriving when right. the Lord was right. saying, you're dead, Yeah, uh, you have lost your first love. 
there's some stern warning in there. There's still the church, but the Lord has got a mission for us to do. And so when we see our brothers and sisters all around the world struggling, we have to understand that perhaps they're in a posture of greater blessing than maybe we are. We may think that our comfort is a blessing of God when it actually may be a hindrance to living in the fullness of his blessing like he did with Israel. He had to take them out of Egypt, completely detox them from their dependency on a system of man to retrain them of dependency on God the Father. And what we would say is, well, why would an 11-day journey take 40 years? This was God's way of transforming the minds and hearts of a people that their children would be ready to have a new walk with the Lord, no longer thinking like the Egyptian way, but thinking as followers of the Lord. And so the persecution they deal with is not necessarily a, a uh, uh, some sort of harsh uh, judgments of God where he has turned his back on his people, but rather him so moving in their lives, they are willing to be change agents at all costs, willing to lose their heads. So we're seeing, we talked about one of the Jizya attacks of what right. was happening even in the Middle East, uh, the markings of those who call themselves Christians, the Nasrani that's been around for years, uh, the separation of people where they're willing to give it all. I, I mean, in China, we're seeing it in Iran and all around Nigeria, Somalia, amongst many others. But, the, you know, the economic sanctions, of course, we'll get into that a little bit, but the beatings, the rapings, the killings, those things are harsh, cruel and unusual, not unusual, uns- which it shouldn't be the case, but for those who call on the name of the Lord, even during those dark ages up through up to Constantine, uh, of the thousands, maybe millions who gave their lives during that particular time. So, I mean, it's going on all around us even today. Yeah. But don't you think it's easy for, for the people to become statistics? Sure. I mean, we read about these things, we read about how many people are impacted, but they're people just like you and I. They have families just like their loved ones, their wives, That's their right. children, their parents. And being impacted physically and being impacted economically. Am I going to be able to feed my children? Am I going to, will I have a roof over my head? What's going to happen? What kind of violence is going to happen to us? Yeah. Uh, It's just so important to be able to just drive it home and internalize. What if this was us? What if this is my family? What if this is my wife? These are real people that we're talking about in in just huge, almost mind boggling numbers. Yeah. And I, I remember my time in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem's in the West Bank. Right. And when we take people to Israel, we'll spend a great deal of time in the West Bank. We want people to see what's really going on in the land of Israel. That, And what I mean by that, not the political side of things, but rather what Jesus Christ is doing in these areas that may be completely ignored in Western culture. Because we, we do stereotype. We, we label Arabs as terrorists. Right. 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 And maybe not all listeners do that, but I think that that's been a, a natural recourse since September 11th, 2001, right? right. It's suddenly, anybody of the Middle Eastern descent, suddenly the, we've got to have our alarm red flag up. But what's happening in that region, the Lord is vividly coming to them in dreams. We had a young man come into the church there in Bethlehem. And as we were bearing witness of this, they had been working in this young man's life with his family. But when he came in there to give his life to the Lord Jesus, it was turning away from his entire family because their identity was Islam. So they came barging in, chasing after him, wanting to drag him back to the home. They had to get him out of the building, change his name to protect his life. So when he's coming in in tears, calling on the name of Yeshua, 
this this Jesus who has come to him in a powerful and vivid way. He knows that he is having to say goodbye to everything right. he's known yep. to follow Jesus. And perhaps complacency, the apathy in Western culture has made us a little callous to this. So yeah. what does it really mean to follow Jesus like right. that? And I'm not saying we have to suffer, right. but there is commendation for sacrifice, Definitely. right? And I think that we've lost that. We probably don't know what that means in this day and age, and yet it's coming. And I think yeah. the reason why we do a broadcast like this is that we got to toughen up the bride, right? right. right? We got to get ready because yeah. we don't want it to come on us like a wave that catches us off guard and the right. bride's got their lanterns empty. We're not ready for the groom, but rather to say, are we willing to pay the ultimate price for this Lord whom we've called on and proclaimed and attended his churches and done the things, yeah. but have we truly taken up the cross to follow him? Let me just list out a few things because sure. uh, we, we were talking about this to uh, over the last couple of weeks. And uh, here's just some things that have been going on as we just examine the landscape today. How does persecution look like in 2021? Uh, let me take us back even to 2004. This is not; these are not things that happen overnight, right? I mean, we we suddenly feel the the pressure, and it feels like it happens overnight. Right, but what right. we've done is we've probably been ignorant to it, or turned a blind eye, deaf ear towards yeah. these type of things, and really didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Ah, that's an isolated incident. It's the the turning up the the kettle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that temperature is slowly go, going to boil, and we're acclimating to it. And now it feels like it's urgent. Uh, but taking us back to November twenty third of two thousand four, what we found was a unique situation that occurred that wouldn't become so unique after all, even in two thousand twenty one. But the FBI was dispatched to review the sermons of Pastor Randy Steele of Southwest Christian Church in Mount Vernon, Illinois, because he spoke on the subject of homosexuality and abortion. Okay, those two subjects were covered in his sermon. They were dispatched to review those sermons afterwards because it might have been considered hate speech, right? And that was all the way back in 2004. 2004. Many people didn't know about that. In October 2014, so fast forward 10 years, the city of Houston issued subpoenas demanding a group of pastors turn over any sermons that had addressed homosexuality, gender identity, uh, or, or even the first openly uh, gay mayor that they had. She was the lesbian mayor that had taken office recently in that area in Houston. And those ministers who failed to comply would be held in contempt of court. Okay, that's how serious it got. Now, that was fought and overturned. However, I can tell you today that what took place then was only the tip of the iceberg. It was only the beginning. Focus on the Family was recently suspended not long ago from Twitter for citing transgender issues, right? So they're just speaking out in a biblical way on these issues. And even recently, what we're seeing happen around the United States and Western culture, in Victoria, Australia, a bill was passed that would basically make it illegal. There would be a significant fine, up to 10 years in prison, if a church speaks out against homosexuality and even offers help by way of prayer and biblical instruction to guide them in a lifestyle that would not be in opposition to God's will, right? I mean, this is just the beginning, right, on this particular subject, just that subject alone. Yeah, I think another thing that we could not have foreseen, really because it it didn't really exist so much back in 2004, was the impact of social media. Right. And even the other day, my wife and I were watching a Easter broadcast. It was Pastor Jack Hibbs out of California, Uh and YouTube stopped the broadcast. It was just- 
yeah, it was just a Resurrection Sunday broadcast. And all of a sudden, we're done here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So Interesting. The, the forces of social media, even. That's right. You know, and we're becoming in. so dependent on it, becoming right. less inclined to attend services. Barna Research, of course, just demonstrated how over this last year, how the entire uh, habitual practice of the congregants of a church have been forever right, changed. Right. We've become so dependent on social media, streaming video, yep. uh, the YouTube celebrity pastor version, mm-hmm. as opposed to engaging with people, dealing with parking, trying to find your seat, getting sure. engaged at church, right. all the things even Jack Hibbs has said, <laughs> we need to be doing right, that. in your local church. Yeah, right, get yeah. involved. It, yeah. It's going to be uh, inconvenient. Right. But that's what all the feasts were designed to do, inconvenience yeah. the people, make God the priority. Um, even the Feast of Unleavened Bread that was fulfilled there during Passion Week uh, it was designed to make the people right. uncomfortable. Yeah, none of that was convenient. Yeah, sweep yeah. out the leavening out of your house. Who wants right. to do that? Nobody does, <laughs> right? I mean, Eat all the three feasts that were all celebrated in that one period of time, Feast of First Fruits, Unleavened Bread, Passover, all during that week, totally inconveniencing the people. Yeah. And when we go to church, we're making an appointment with God. It's not about my convenience. It's about to go to worship. But you're right. We become so acclimated to that with a digital form of worship that is easy to silence. If right. it doesn't comply, it will That's be silenced. Now, th- some other things that have recently come up. In Canada, Bill C-6 is poised to pa- pass here in the coming weeks, I believe, that will do exactly the same thing as what happened in Victoria, Australia, making it a punishable offense up to 10 years in prison. And we know in 2012, Trinity Western University was denied accreditation due to their position on homosexuality. And that case went to the Canada Supreme Court and the court sided with the LGBTQ. So here a a, a Christian-oriented university was now stifled. Their beliefs were were, were withheld now. They, they can't have that freedom of religious practice because of now LGBTQ agenda. Now, that's just, again, the beginning. Uh, let's look at what just happened recently with Resurrection Sunday. Uh, Spain has banned hymnals, right? All in the name of COVID-19, no hymnals, right? They don't want you touching the paper. They don't want it passing by way of paper or something like that, or even singing. So they're going to try to prevent singing so you're not projectiling something that that may kill everybody, right? So Spain has banned hymnals. Uh, Singing is still forbidden in California churches. Uh, Greece has banned loudspeakers, in order to prevent churches from thinking they can go outside with the nicer weather and have large groups outside. So now let's just take it out. You can't have loudspeakers. Ireland has banned all in-person services, still banned because of COVID-19. And in fact, in Dublin on March 29th, not long ago, Pastor Cronin of Abundant Grace Church was arrested in the middle of his service because they were trying to stop this in-person gathering. In London, Police shut down all Good Friday services that they could find. They came in and would stop the services. Then on Resurrection Sunday, this one started to make all the news. I think even Fox News covered this. But Pastor Arthur Palowski of Calgary, Alberta, he, his services were interrupted by the police, which was a criminal act uh, because it was a violation of Section 176 of the Criminal Code, which is RSC 1985 C.C-46. Now, that makes it illegal to disrupt religious services. But the pastor had been cited before. They were trying to stop any efforts of his to gather people together to worship, and they were using COVID-19 as the reason to do that. So unfortunately, he was able to get the police out of his building. This is what became the big news uh, this past weekend. 
uh, was the fact that he had come down on these police officers coming into his church, calling them Nazis, Gestapo, all sorts of things. I, I think there there was the violation in right. my mind, right? Is pastors, we can defend our congregation, but we're still to respect our authorities. I've got a number of police officers in our church, and I can't imagine calling them something right. like that. If yeah. they're doing their job, and I understand perhaps those police officers didn't even want to be there to do that, um, but I understand the passion and yeah, frustration definitely. of the pastor as well. But somewhere in the middle here, we can stand for our rights, but still be respectful to the authorities, yeah. right? So the, it, this is just the, again, just trying to give us a summary of there is persecution going on all around us. And I think one of the most overlooked in this is the fact that under the guise of COVID-19 protections, one in every five to six churches will be closed by the end of the year. They're saying that throughout this duration of COVID, because giving has so declined, because populations of people have so declined in in attending church, and for the first time, uh, Protestant faithful churchgoers has dropped below 50%, and we're seeing one in five or one out of six, according to Barna's latest statistics on that, uh, of churches closing. That means as many as 60,000 churches will be closed, even perhaps by the end of 2021, due to giving declines, attendance declines, and constant fear over COVID-19 concerns. Wow. People just don't give when they're watching online, right. not in the same way. Sure. Um, so to sustain those those churches, we're seeing, um, if, if you're not going to comply with your message, then out of the health safety of people involved here will get you to close down no matter what, right? So the church is being persecuted on all fronts. Yeah. We, we just can't deny that. It's right. happening. Right. It may not be happening in Colorado Springs right. as much as it was. Um, and we have great city council. We've got folks that are really going to bat for us. I mean, we've got Definitely. a great uh, police chief and our, our, our sheriff's department. And yep. All of these folks really do have our best interest at heart, I believe. They're trying to work with the local church. But around us, these things are happening in droves and we can be very ignorant to those realities, and I think that's why we want to cover it today. It's happening. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters. Oh, yeah. It's to, what a difference a year makes. I mean, these <laughs> things are inconceivable a Indeed. year ago. Just absolutely inconceivable these sort of things could happen. That's right. Um, and just persistently, as you were talking about different aspects of this, my mind just kept going to Thessalonians and the great falling away. Mm. You know, and I, and so you could even see some of the roots of that now. Yeah. You know, I mean, who's to say exactly why that happened? It may be uh, multifactorial why that happens, but we can see maybe even the the root of that beginning now. That's right. I mean, I think when we when we go through the possibility of sacrifice, mm-hmm. of having to forego the creature comforts we may be familiar with, right? Uh, and, and how determined are we to go to church? How right. determined and loyal are we? To the cause of Christ, have we really pledged our allegiance to Christ right. above all else? Uh, these things are serious questions we have to ask ourselves because if they continue to find ways to close the doors of churches, uh, will we just simply accept that as the new norm, or right. will we take a stand for these things and yeah. fight for our church and yeah. in a God honoring way, right. using the judicial authorities and, and the, those those systems that are put into place, just as Paul did. Yeah. He, he knew the truth, and he was able to stand for the truth, and right. even in the courts of law to do it. Right. Right. And how many times did he play that, I'm a Roman citizen uh, card? That's right. So. <laughs> You've got to use it, right? You've got to um, use those yeah, things. We've and... got 330,000 laws in America. <laughs> uh, we need to know the law, right? right? Know right. And, and know the laws of God, too. Yeah. Why we, how many don't even know the 613 of the old uh, the Torah, the Tanakh? But, right. you know, that we just uh, have become a very 
uh, I don't know, maybe we just like the dessert of yeah. Scripture, right? <laughs> we don't want to eat the meat, right? I don't understand what Scripture is. Yeah. With a brief time we have left, can we just talk a little bit about some of the persecution that we're going to see possibly coming upon the church here in the next oh, few weeks? Yeah, we'll I mean, we, we're looking at, we've been talking about the Equality Act, right? Uh, known as H.R. 5, and and this has been a very deceptive bill since day one. I, I mean, it's it was passed by the U.S. House of Representatives on, on February 25th, 2021, and it still has to go through the Senate. And right now it's going through all the various committees that examine how this will, bill will impact, uh, how this if, if going into law, if this, this, will, this will, in, in a sense, um, alter what was originally uh, written in the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So if the Senate passes H.R. 5, known as this Equality Act, and and then President Biden signs it into law, faith-based organizations and individuals will face discrimination in unprecedented ways. This will open the door for churches to have to address some very difficult situations. Let me just list a few of those. Uh, and then uh, sort of invite your comments to yeah, this. Definitely. But uh, let me just give you a few here. Just in summary, uh, faith-based hospitals and insurers could be forced to provide gender transition therapies that violate their religious beliefs. Uh, children could seek to change their gender without parental knowledge or consent. Uh, faith-based adoption and foster care agencies could be forced to place children with same-sex couples or lose their licenses. Uh, the act would dismantle sex-specific facilities, sports, and other places. As a result, biological females would be forced to compete in sports, sports with biological males uh, for athletic scholarships. I mean, even sexual assaults could escalate. I mean, seriously escalate in various restrooms, right. uh, shower facilities. Uh. Uh, the the faith-based schools and businesses could be forced to violate their beliefs regarding homosexual activity, LGBTQ behavior, or face fines, uh, be be censored, uh, or even worse. And then we have churches that rent out their facilities for public use. They could be forced to rent them for same-sex marriages and other LGBTQ events. Uh, it's, with this comes a number of fines and, and various uh, impacts on these institutions. Again, we're, that's just a summary right. uh, of what this thing could do. And, and so it's not really about equality after all. This is really about the agenda of, of a population of people that really are trying to restrict the religious freedoms of the church and, and Christian institutions. Uh, so this is uh, a very serious bill that we need to be praying over yeah, and definitely. contacting our congressmen, well, really our senators. Right. This is going to the Senate now. So Michael Bennett, John Hickenlooper right here in Colorado – We've got to call them. We've yeah. got to email them. And you can go to contactsenators.com. I believe it's contactsenators.com forward slash Colorado. You go there. You look it all up. They've got Michael Bennett and John Hickenlooper's their, their phone numbers or email addresses. Contact them. Let them know this is a concern. Right. And, and express those views. Now, if they choose to ignore that, you, at least you're doing what you can do in the system. That's right. And certainly we need to be in prayer. Yep. Uh, oh, because definitely. Amos 8.11 talks about a famine of truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're right in the throes of that right here in these United States. Yeah. Prayer, definitely the most important thing that we can do. And I would just encourage people to just stick with us in the coming weeks as we continue to dialogue right. back and forth about this. I think it's so pertinent. It's so important. And uh, we just really need to be on our prayer on our knees uh, before the Lord praying about this. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I just, I just appreciate you being willing to discuss this and just bringing 
so much information to us about really what's happening here and around the world. Well, there may be coming a time when we can't have this kind of dialogue. Right. Yeah. Right? We, we may be silenced just like you saw with Jack Hibbs program on right. YouTube. Yeah. Um, that may occur someday in the very near future. So to have the freedom of speech that we have right now can. is certainly under attack. Yeah. Uh, we certainly, you know, it looks like the the First Amendments, uh, First Second Amendment, these issues are deliberately being uh, reevaluated constantly, right. and with that will come the erosion of the freedoms that we know here in these United States. Yeah. So, as a church, we have to be bold for Jesus Christ first and foremost. Uh, I mean, we could talk about politics all day, right. but the reality is, is we have to stand on the front line, be change agents, and not withhold the truth. And that truth is. As we see in Romans chapter 1 and 2, if you are going to speak boldly for Jesus Christ, don't be shocked or dismayed (laughs) when the culture seems to be in opposition to that truth, which can cause us to be very quiet, right? Right. Because we don't like the friction that that may bring in our lives. And and some of us may be worried, I'll lose my job. I'll lose my friends, my family. I I, I think that this is where we need to pray discernment. Lord, help me to speak truth with grace and love Uh, and not be the, the bully not right. be the arrogant, prideful, right. know-it-all. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. This is just simply just knowing what the Word says, standing firm in that, Amen. being gentle but firm, right? right. That's, that's always the balance that we struggle right. with. Right. Uh, and so we'll talk more about this, but that's I hope awesome. that as you are listening today to Engage in Truth, we want to thank you for tuning in weekly. And if you've missed the prior broadcast, please go back to calvaryfountain.com and listen again and again and again. Get the word out, share it with your friends and family. If you're looking for a fellowship to go deeper in God's word together with others of like-minded faith, come and check us out at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. And you can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. God bless you, my friends. Take care.